Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, once again, your host, your boy, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you, guys, as I always say, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. Really, really do appreciate it. And there's actually one supporter of the podcast that I want to give a special shout out to. It is somebody on Twitter by the name of Devils Adequate or at NJD, the number four, and then the word life. So NJD for life. We actually had a discussion a quick Twitter discussion on Saturday afternoon or yes, Saturday afternoon. And, uh, you know, we were, we were having a a pretty, um, a pretty good conversation. It started with basically that I was retweeting uh, their poll about, you know, what do we feel? Do we feel that Simone Nemitz is going to make the devils out of training camp? Yes or no. So I retweeted it and they said, thanks for retweeting the poll. Love the podcast. I thank them for their support. And they actually gave me some information. It's really cool. Uh, the person said, anytime, I'm one of the rare Devil fans from Newfoundland, the home of Dawson Mercer. Been following the Devils as long as I can remember. Coming down for my first NHL game and obviously Devils game this fall. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the next podcast. So Devils Adequate, thank you so much 
for the compliments. Thank you for the support for the podcast. Certainly means a lot to me. It was great to talk to you and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, meeting you in person. I'm, I always look forward to meeting uh, my, my fellow fans and supporters um, in, in, in person when I go to games and things like that. And it means a lot to me that you guys reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff and show your support. It really means a lot to me. And I thank you guys so very much for uh, being a part of it. So again, Devil's Adequate, thank you so much for that. But I also want to give another special shout out to a handful of people because on Twitter, on Saturday night, around 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, myself and a bunch of other Devil's podcast hosts and uh, you know different people, personalities on Twitter, we're all part of a big Devil's, uh, what we call a Devil's mega space. You know, if you guys know Twitter spaces, you can go on there and, you know, have discussions and things like that. And, uh, you know, we actually recorded the entire two-hour discussion that we had. So I really would recommend you guys go check it out. You could check it out on all, on any of the people that were involved. So uh, shout out to my boy, Jersey Joe, uh, Trey Matthews from Locked On Devils, the Brat Pack, the Beer Baron from the Let's Go Devils podcast, John Fisher, who blogs for uh, the New Jersey Devils, also is a big just sports fan in general, Pucks and Pitchforks, and also shout out Dirty Devils 1993, as well as also my good friend, Lana Lana's Z Man 2022. 20, uh, excuse me if I said it correctly. Thank you guys for uh, orchestrating this because it was a lot of fun. We had a lot to talk about and a lot of really good discussions in general. So make sure you go check that out. I did um, share the, um, the uh, Twitter space on my Twitter and also my Instagram. So make sure you guys go check it out if you want to catch up on it, if you weren't able to attend. But thank you to everybody who joined. And also thank you to everybody who just was participating in, in as well. And we will certainly do it again in the future. So I wanted to give a couple of special shout outs and things like that uh, before I get started here today. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure a lot of you are wondering why I didn't have a new episode come out on, on Thursday or even Friday of this past week, kind of recapping what has happened with the Devils so far through free agency and things like that. It's because you know that the Devils were going to be busy on day one, but you also knew that probably the next couple of days after that, they would make some moves and do a couple of things. So I decided that I think it would be better for me to wait until the dust kind of settled a little bit and we got through the weekend uh, before I kind of recapped everything that went on. So I'll be able to catch up with everything up until this point. I've been pretty active with it on uh, social media. So don't worry. I know exactly what's been going on. You guys have seen it. I've discussed it with a lot of you lovely people. But here on the podcast, now I'm going to kind of recap everything that's happened over the last couple of days and kind of go from there. We have a lot to get to. The first time in a while that we really have so much to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So as I always say, let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we'll kick things off with the biggest news line um, that involved New Jersey Devils, and that happens to be Johnny Gaudreau. Now, Let's take you back to last Tuesday evening. 
The night before free agency was supposed to begin, Johnny Gaudreau had turned down an eight-year extension of over $10 million offered from the Calgary Flames, and he informed the Flames that he was going to be not only testing free agency, but that he was not going to return under any circumstances to Calgary. So Johnny Gaudreau's time as a Calgary Flame was officially over. And now you get into the really intense part of the free agency period, which was who would be involved in the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes? Well, at the start of Wednesday morning, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders were really the only ones that were heavily involved in the Johnny Gaudreau uh, sweepstakes. The Philadelphia Flyers, Johnny Gaudreau's uh, hometown team and team that he grew up cheering, just did not have the money, you know, three, $4 million. That was how much they had in cap and they couldn't move James Van Riemsdyk's contract. So they were pretty much in a no-win situation, and so they backed out pretty early. So at that point, it was the Devils and the Islanders uh, buying for Johnny Gaudreau's services. But then at around 4.45 p.m. Eastern, uh, we got word that the Columbus Blue Jackets had supposedly offered Johnny Gaudreau a seven-year contract worth $12 million average annual value, and that Gaudreau turned it down. Now, Although that contract offer was proven to be incorrect, what was correct is that the Blue Jackets did indeed make an offer to Johnny Gaudreau. So at that point, you have the Devils, Islanders, and the least likely of the three, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, we the Devils are still in prime position. And a lot of people were predicting it and expecting that at any moment, Johnny Gaudreau would sign with the New Jersey Devils. And as Tom Fitzgerald put it when he spoke to the media a couple of days after, he felt at one point he was pretty confident that Johnny Gaudreau would be a New Jersey Devil. But I ended up attending the Devils three-on-three uh, -three prospect tournament during the prospect development camp week which was last week uh, it was a lot of fun by the way definitely uh definitely a great experience first time i ever been to a development camp so that was very very cool um but during the development camp at around 6 30 elliot friedman of sportsnet confirmed and tweeted that johnny gaudreau was indeed signing with the columbus blue jackets and to a lot of us it came as a shock it came as disappointment, and it came as anger as well um, for a multitude of different reasons. I think the first and foremost is the fact that we lost out to the Columbus Blue Jackets, another team that did not make the playoffs. And, you know, you could say doesn't have maybe the same amount of, you know, up and coming talent that the Devils have. Very frustrating, considering also that all signs were pointing that the Devils were the perfect fit for Johnny Gaudreau, and he ended up still not signing with us was indeed a very unfortunate thing. And so you kind of are in that, that really difficult situation. Now, later on in the evening, Pierre Lebrun tweeted that the devil's contract offer for Gaudreau was uh, seven years north of $9 million. The Islanders, I think, was about the same, although they were trying to clear up more cap space but just couldn't do so. But what we end up knowing is two things. Number one, Johnny Gaudreau, at no point wanted to be a New Jersey devil. I think that was very clear. At no point did Johnny Gaudreau wanted to be a New York Islander either, as we later found out. We found out the truth that Johnny Gaudreau really wanted to become a Philadelphia Flyer. And he was very disappointed that the Flyers did not make a more aggressive approach to trying to sign Johnny Gaudreau. So we ended up taking 
the least controversial, I guess you'd say, offer, and that is taking a seven-year contract at $9.5 million um, from the Columbus Blue Jackets, which it goes up to about 9.7, almost 9.8 with um, – with uh, incentives, I believe. But at the end of the day, the other reality is that the Devils were actually outbid by Columbus for Johnny Gaudreau. Would Johnny Gaudreau sign with the Devils if they offered him 10 mil or even 9.8 or 9.9? Potentially, but I still believe that Gaudreau just really didn't want to be a New Jersey Devil. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I've given myself a couple of days to, to really process this, and I'll be very honest with you. As disappointed as I am to not get another quality elite player that could really help us take that next step um, in getting this team to be a playoff contender and an eventual Stanley Cup contender, I'm okay with Goudreau ending up going somewhere else because of a couple of reasons. One, I don't want guys on the Devils that don't want to be here. You know, Dougie Hamilton signed here and he wanted to be with the Devils. Now, they did offer him the most money, but still, he wanted to be here nonetheless because the offer he got from Carolina wasn't that um, much different uh, than the Devils' offer because overall, long-term, Dougie Hamilton would make the same amount of money that he would with the Devils. Um, Another reason is that it allowed the Devils to do some other things, which we will get to. Uh, it also opens the door to certainly get a contract extension for Jesper Bratt, no question about it. It also just gives us more flexibility, not just this year, but moving forward to make other moves to get guys that are star quality, you know, scoring players and guys like that that want to come here. And Tom Fitzgerald and the Devils organization has to do a better job of making New Jersey a more attractive place for players to come. This is just plain and simple because I think that's sometimes why some big name guys in the past are not as interested in the Devils because of the lack of really making this a place that people really want to feel comfortable and excited to come here. And that was what Lou Lamorello did for so long um, when he was the GM of this team and making, you know, big name players be pumped up to come to New Jersey. That's where we need to get to in the future. And I hope that Fitzgerald and and company can uh, do that moving forward. But yeah, it is disappointing at the end of the day to not get the top free agent. Um, But I think honestly and truly uh, it's going to still work out for us. I still think that there are plenty of opportunities. And as I mentioned before, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Gaudreau was not the be all and end all. And I'll reiterate this again later in the episode when we talk about some of the things the Devils still need to do moving forward and what they still possibly could do not just this year but moving forward so yes you can be frustrated you could be upset you could be disappointed I totally get it but at the end of the day end of the day Johnny Gaudreau didn't want to be here and that's just the reality of the situation so like we always do we just try to move forward but that was kind of that's kind of what I wanted to say about Johnny Gaudreau and this whole situation after the last couple of uh, after the last couple of days. So now let's shift over to what the Devils actually did and the moves that they made because they made a lot of moves, both from a player perspective as well as a coaching perspective. Because as we have uh, routinely forgotten to mention, which is important, that the Devils do have or at least did have two assistant coach positions to fill. Now they just have one. And one of them was filled by a very um, impressive name. We'll get to it in just a moment. But 
Let's try to go in chronological order of what the Devils actually did. They did make a couple of moves prior to the trade deadline. Well, prior to the beginning of free agency and just the beginning of free agency. First one is this. The Devils made a trade. They traded Pavel Zaka to the Boston Bruins in exchange for center Eric Halla. So the Zaka experiment ends after seven seasons in which he was originally drafted back in 2015 in the first round. And we've pointed it out before the amount of quality players that were drafted just after Pavel Zaka. And obviously at the end of the day, it just didn't work out for Zaka. Now I also put blame on the devils for lack of developing Zaka hundred percent, but Zaka also many times just flat out did not show up. He would have a couple of good games and then he'd go for a long stretch of not really doing anything and be, and really just uh, struggling to get stuff going. But this was something that I, we all had a good feeling was going to happen. It's just a matter of what the devils could get for, um, for Zaka. Now I'll, I'll say this. I think they could have gotten more from another team, maybe some draft picks, but I don't think Fitzgerald was in the market to get more draft picks. I think he was looking to try to get somebody that could come in and probably help us. And we get Eric Halla, AKA Hollowood, as uh, I've been uh, informed. It's one of his, he has several nicknames, I think, but that's the one that stuck out to me the most. This will be the seventh team in Eric Hollis' career that he's been on. He's been a journeyman for the last couple of years. Hollis spoke to the media a day or two after he got traded to the Devils and said that uh, he really, really is going to make it a point to make sure the Devils are his last team. So I think he really has motivation to try to prove himself and come in and help this team. And he knows his role. He knows he's going to be on the bottom six. But as a really good third uh, third line center, I think it could be a really Good benefit, good benefiting thing. He definitely brings some good speed, a decent amount of goal scoring, which is which is something that I'm totally on board with. And I think he's he actually ends up being cheaper than Zaka because Hollis contract right now, he's got one year left. So this will be the final year of his contract at $2.375 million. And interestingly enough, the qualifying offer for Zaka was just over $3 million. So they actually ended up saving a little bit of money by trading away Zaka and acquiring Eric Hollis, which could be beneficial for this year and then uh, the years moving forward. But Eric Hall comes in after playing in 78 games uh, last year with the Bruins, 18 goals, 26 assists for 44 points. So pretty solid numbers to say the least. So this is a guy that if he can bring in that type of numbers and goals um, on the third line, I think that just makes our forward depth uh, a little bit more deeper, which is something that we uh, definitely can benefit from. And when you look at Pavel Zaka and his time with the New Jersey Devils, it was seven seasons. He played in 386 games, 69 goals, nice, 110 assists, and 179 points in his career. So Zaka goes and begins anew with the Boston Bruins. Uh, we'll see him, I think, two or three times this season. So we'll see how people react to when Zaka comes back uh, to the Prudential Center. But he spoke to the media and said that he was pretty uh, pumped up to come to the Bruins and maybe the Bruins can revive his career. But I think the reality is, is that it was just never going to work with the New Jersey Devils. So we'll see what happens with Zaka and uh, definitely curious to see how Eric Hall can fit in with our team. Hopefully he can help us on that bottom six. Now, the next move the Devils made was a coaching move that I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago. And the Devils 
they knew that they had to get some home runs when it comes to assistant coaches to help Lindy Ruff and also give the Devils maybe a good option within the organization as the next head coach. Because I've mentioned it before, it's a very likely possibility that regardless of what happens this year, Lindy Ruff is probably out the door. This is the final year of the three-year contract he signed with the Devils back in 2020. But the Devils announced... Uh, Darren Dreger, I believe, was the first one to report it. The Devils announced that they had hired Andrew Burnett as an associate coach, the former Florida Panthers interim head coach, who was a Jack Adams Award finalist this past season for Coach of the Year. He guided the Panthers to 58 wins, 122 points, and an impressive plus uh, 94 goal differential. Very, very impressive. This was all after he took over for Joel Quenville, who had to resign after the Blackhawks uh, scandal that happened prior to last season, or at least the um, decision-making and reporting of it uh, came last year. But Andrew Burnett just picked up where Joel Quenville left off. They had a phenomenal season, got to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs before ultimately being swept aside by their Florida rivals in Tampa Bay Lightning, but Andrew Burnett signs a three-year contract with the New Jersey Devils. He actually ended, he actually played with Tom Fitzgerald when both of them were playing in the National Hockey League um, years ago. And according to what I saw, the Panthers did give Burnett permission to um uh well, they gave Fitzgerald permission to talk to Burnett and obviously had negotiations there. Now, the reason that Burnett was available was simply that the Panthers never hired will never interview Burnett for the head coaching job. Instead, a couple of weeks after the season, ended up hiring a guy who I wanted the Devils to go after as a head coach, Paul Maurice, to be the next head coach of the Florida Panthers. They, the Panthers also said that they would be willing to um, give Burnett an opportunity to stay within the organization, but Burnett decides to leave. Uh, South Florida and come to the Garden State and become an associate coach with the Devils. Burnett uh, spoke um, a little bit to some media and said that he was really excited to come and learn under Lindy Ruff and that Lindy Ruff was excited to have Burnett come on. Now, Fitzgerald, uh, when he spoke to the media, said that Burnett will be in charge of the power play, which to me is the exciting thing because he's an offensive-minded coach. You saw the type of damage he was able to do with guys like uh, Jonathan Huberto and Barkov and guys like that. And even Claude Drew a little bit when he, you know, during the uh, regular season, just a couple of guys like that. So this was a massive hire, something that I had talked about on my roundtable last week, if you remember checking out that episode. And it was really, honestly, a really solid, solid, exciting hire. And I'm looking forward to Andrew Burnett bringing in a new dynamic when it comes to offense for this young, talented, offensive-minded New Jersey Devils team. So the Devils are still, um, you know, going to have to hire a defensive coach. Definitely curious to see who we bring in there. But Andrew Burnett is now the one of the new associate coaches slash assistant coaches of the New Jersey Devils. And I'll be very honest with you guys. There's a very good chance that Burnett ends up becoming the next head coach of the Devils. Because if the season gets off to a bad start next year, I think Lindy Ruff gets fired. I think Burnett takes over. If Lindy Ruff gets through the year, I think what would end up happening is that they promote um, uh, Lindy Ruff to another position within the team. That was a rumor that came out at the end of last year. And I think there might be some um, solace to it. Um, 
And then I think Burnett becomes a head coach. So that's the way that I look at it, because otherwise, why would he sign a three-year contract uh, to come here when he could just wait out a year and see what options he has next season to be a head coach? So we will keep our eye on that. But nonetheless, Andrew Burnett comes over from Florida and is now the new offensive assistant coach of the New Jersey Devils. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You could throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code THPN to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions reply. See show notes for details. So now let's get to some of the signings of free agency. Uh, We had some uh, well-known ones, and we also had some minor signings that we'll get to. So the first signing that we'll get to, it came literally at like 12.01. It was like a minute after free agency started. The Devils announced they had signed defenseman, veteran defenseman, Brendan Smith to a two-year contract at $1.1 million AAV. So in total, it's just a little over $2 million. This uh, will be the 12th season for Brendan Smith. He's an 11-year veteran. He's played with the Carolina Hurricanes, who he was with last year. He's played a couple of years with the New York Rangers and also played with the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, the main thing for me, the way I look at it, is he's being brought in as defensive depth. I see him as that third, um, third-pairing defenseman on the left side, a veteran presence, a guy who's played over a decade in the league, has played in the playoffs. And when Brendan Smith spoke to the Devils media, he spoke about how excited he was to come to this team and really what uh, the Devils can bring to, you know, what he could bring to the Devils and what they're all about. And there was one thing that um, that he said, that uh, Brendan Smith said, that I wanted to read to you guys, and it came from um, – when he spoke to the media. He said, looking at Jersey, they're just on the cusp. I think they're ready to take that next step. And Smith also was speaking a lot with a smile on his face. And he even acknowledged, he said, look at, I'm smiling. I'm excited. Like I'm really pumped up. These guys are going to make me feel young again, really looking forward to it. So it sounds like a guy that was super pumped up to come here and play with the New Jersey Devils. He also mentioned it would be fun to take, to uh, take some points away from the New York Rangers, somebody that, uh, a team that uh, obviously Brendan Smith is not a fan of. You saw that from the way he reacted during last year's playoffs when the Canes and Rangers met in the second round. So, yeah, I think on its, all in all, I think it's a solid signing. I think this ends up being the P.K. Subban replacement, and I think it's a solid one nonetheless. So, again, Devils signed veteran defenseman Brendan Smith to a two-year contract at $2.2 million. Now, some other minor signings that ended up happening uh, were one for Brian Pinho to a one-year deal at $750,000. 
The Devils re-signed defenseman Tyler Witherspoon to a two-year contract at $762,500. Witherspoon actually was a uh, PTO con- PTO guy uh, from last year. Didn't make the team out of training camp. Ended up signing with the Utica Comets. Played the whole year down with them. Uh, he actually represented Canada at the Olympics because he technically wasn't an NHL player. He was signed to an AHL contract. And so now the Devils have given him a little bit more uh, length as far as term uh, with a two-year contract. And then the Devils signed a very interesting, still relatively young player at 26 for Jack Dugan. One year, $750,000. He was actually a pretty solid college hockey player, had almost 30 goals uh, in his last year. He's a Vegas, he was in the Vegas Golden Knights uh, system, and now the Devils are taking a flyer on him, which honestly can't hurt. So we'll see if any of these guys get a crack at training camp. I would imagine they probably would, and uh, we'll go from there. So there were some of the minor signings the Devils made as well. And now we come to the big signing that happened. Now, again, the Devils struck out on Johnny Gaudreau. So the question after that point was, after a bunch of the other top free agents went off the board before the Devils could uh, you know, remove their attention from Johnny Gaudreau, what were the Devils going to do? Well, one guy that was still on the board was Andre Pilat. And that was a guy that I had mentioned before about being a really solid backup option in case we don't get Johnny Gaudreau. And it was reported via Elliot Friedman and Pierre Lebrun that the Devils were in on Palat even a day or two before Freyancy started. So there was clearly um, there was clearly a lot of interest between both parties to get a deal done. LeBron said also that the Palat situation was probably going to be determined after whatever Johnny Gaudreau decided to do, and then you go from there. But at around 11.30 at night on Wednesday, the first day of Freyancy, uh, the Devils, as well as, uh, well, the Devils didn't announce it immediately, but it was reported by Kevin Weeks that Andre Pilat had signed with the New Jersey Devils. And then later on, we got the contract offer, well, the contract that, the, that was signed. Five years, $6 million average annual value. So that's about $30 million over the next five years. Um, the other thing to mention is that there is a no trade clause uh, for the first three years of the contract. The final two years are a modified no trade clause with a 10 team no trade list. So the Devils are pretty much locked into Andre Pilat for the next five years at $6 million AAV. Half of the salary also is in signing bonus. So he's actually not getting paid a huge amount for just playing. He's getting a bunch from just signing the contract. This is kind of interesting. Um, I will say this about the contract. I would have preferred like three years, honestly, at like a three and a half to $4 million range. But then again, that would have been less than what Palat was making in his previous contract while he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the Devils give him a slight pay raise with longer term. Palat, when he spoke to me, he said that he was super excited to come here. He feels that this team with their speed, he can kind of come in and really bring a different dynamic. He's a guy that is a non-stopper. He goes hard 100%. And can you imagine a line of Palat, Nico Kiescher, and Dawson Mercer? These guys going 110%, grinding it out every single shift. It's going to be such a pain in the ass for other teams to play against. And the biggest thing for me, other than the fact that Andre Palat's a two-time Stanley Cup champion and has played in 
through each of the last three finals and played in four in his career is that this is a clutch goal scorer, a guy that when you need a big goal, he comes through. We saw it several times throughout the playoffs this year, particularly in the Eastern Conference finals against the Rangers. This is a guy that when the chips are down, this is the guy you rely on. And I think that that could be very beneficiary to this team. Now, obviously, people say, well, we need to get to the playoffs for this guy to really make it work. Well, yes, we have to make the playoffs, but Andre Pollock can still help us in getting to the playoffs and help us get through those difficult times where we're struggling because he's been there before. He's been through some lean years in Tampa before they really got good. He knows what it takes. He knows what it takes to win and everything like that. And he's a quiet guy, but he's going to lead by example. So as much as we don't like the contract and we're worried about it, the two things to not worry about it is simply this. Number one, look, when you want a guy, you're going to most likely overpay for him. That's what free agency is all about, right? Number two, with the salary cap now going up consistently as we've gotten through the whole COVID situation and stagnant cap, um, and with the Devils having, you know, not a whole lot of guys locked up long term, the Devils have a lot of room to deal with this contract and not, you know, completely regret it. Will they regret it in maybe years three to five? Possibly, because he's get, he'll get up there in age. He's 31 going into this contract. But I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a very beneficial beneficial uh, contract that the devil signed for a clutch veteran Stanley cup player. And they're paying for the player that he, uh, that he uh, was, and hopefully they're paying for the player that he still is today. So yes, Andre Pilat is now one of the newest members of the New Jersey devils. And I got to tell you, I like this signing Pilat. So the next thing that the devils did, and this was towards the end of development camp. And again, something that we knew was probably going to happen based off of what Fitzgerald said, the devils announced that they had signed the second overall pick in the 2022 NHL entry draft, Simone Nemitz to his entry level contract. It's a three-year contract with an AAV of $950,000. So there you go. Again, Fitzgerald said that they were planning on doing this. He was going to come to development camp. And the Devils got the deal done. So add another guy who is officially now a New Jersey Devil. He looked pretty darn good in development camp, um, especially in the um, in the scrimmage. I really like the way he plays. He looks very confident with the puck. Very good at puck handling, that's for sure. And not afraid to shoot it from the blue line. So a guy that we're looking forward to playing. He will probably be at training camp and he will definitely be playing here in North America. Something that he spoke about even at the combine to everybody that he plans on playing in North America. So if he doesn't make the devil's roster, he'll end up playing in Utica, which is good because if anybody can develop guys really well, it's been Kevin Deneen, which I'm excited to see what he can do with him. If Nemitz ends up actually going there to start the year. So we got that out of the way and Simone Nemitz is now officially contractually a New Jersey devil. And again, I'm really glad that I waited till Sunday to do this podcast episode because I had a hunch that the devils were going to do something else this weekend. And Fitz and Tom Fitzgerald had said that he's not really done making moves. He's still getting phone calls and things like that. And he's going to continue to go from there. And the devils, made another trade. This time, they went for a defenseman, a guy to help them on the back end. On Saturday afternoon, and it really started 
with the devils randomly putting a curious emoji. And it was like, oh boy, something is about to happen. So definitely a trade. What is about to happen? And sure enough, the devils announced that they had traded Ty Smith and a 2023 third round pick to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for defenseman John Marino. And that is obviously a loss that I know a lot of Penguins fans are upset about. Interestingly enough, the Penguins also traded away Matheson. Both of those guys, the Devils had interest in. Um, but the Devils get John Marino. And here's a little bit of information on him in case you don't know who he is. Marino, currently 25 years of age. He's six foot one, 181 pounds. He's entering just his fourth season in the NHL. He has played in 189 games, 10 goals, 54 assists, and 64 points um, in his career. And in the postseason, because he's been in the playoffs each of the last three years, 17 games, no goals, two assists, two points. Another thing to mention is that this is, he has five years left on a six-year contract that he signed with Pittsburgh last year, and he still has $22 million left on it. So it's, I believe, $4.4 million over the next five years. Now for Ty Smith, for Penguins fans that might be listening, uh, Ty Smith, 22 years of age, uh, 114 games played, seven goals, 36 assists for 43 points with the Devils. He is the Devils' former uh, first-round pick back in 2018, 17th overall. A young guy who, obviously, not the biggest guy at 5'11", uh, certainly less than 200 pounds, and a guy who had a really, really rough sophomore season. And I really thought that the Devils would give him another shot to prove himself going into year three. But the Devils saw an opportunity to improve their defense on the right side. They ended up doing that. And so they end up moving Ty Smith, who will get a chance to play with some other uh, pretty good offensive players in front of him. Not so much on the defensive side, but I guess we'll see what happens. Obviously, it sucks that he's still in the same division and we hope he doesn't, uh, that move doesn't come back to bite us. But getting a guy like John Marino, I think is a really, really solid pickup. And I like it a bunch. And there was actually one thing that came out um, and I'm going to try to find it really quick because it was a threat. Yeah. Here's a thread that was uh, tweeted by Penn, by Penn's inside scoop on Twitter. So this is, you know, Penguins talk. So here it reads, John Marino's story is one of the best. A doctor suggested skating as a way to cure his twin brother, Paul's bowed legs. And if you put one twin on skates and you got the, and you got to put the other twin on skates, John said, and took it off from there. And then it continues to read, he's always flown a bit under the radar on his path. For example, Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox was his teammate at Harvard. But Kevin Stevens, whose son Luke grew up with John, knew his potential. So Artie lobbied the Penguins to get Marino for a conditional sixth round pick. That trade didn't get much attention. But Marino finally started making headlines after surprising a lot of people by making the team out of training camp in 2019 at just 22 years of age. He's since developed into a solid NHL defenseman who still has room to grow. Marino comes off as a pretty quiet, but he's low-key funny and really loyal. He will do anything for anyone. Really going to miss Johnny and his family members that I've gotten to know a bit over the years, especially his mom, Jen. But wish him the best of luck in New Jersey. So that is great. Mike Kelly, an NHL reporter, said, Nice ad by the Devils. Legit top four defenseman. Good defensively, PK an underrated puck mover, snaps a great first pass out of the defensive zone, 
Devils top 10 in chances off the rush. Marino will help the puck north to speedy forward. So that is very, very good. All the stuff that we've gotten so far about Marino is good. I actually also like that he has term, so he's going to be here for a while unless we make some moves in the future. And I will say this. Most likely, here is what is going to be the defensive pairings to start next season. Siegenthaler and Hamilton, top first pairing. Graves and Severson on the second pairing. And then Brendan Smith and John Marino, two of the new guys, on the third pairing. And here's something to keep in mind. We still have Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz waiting in the wings, as well as other guys like Kevin Ball, Riley Walsh, all those guys. With this move to acquire John Marino, this tells me that I think now one of Severson, Siegenthaler, or Graves is going to get moved. And I honestly think it's going to end up being Severson because right now his uh, value is pretty high. He's going into the final year of his contract. He'll be a UFA at the end of this season. Although Severson has talked about wanting to stay here and wouldn't mind, you know, probably taking less money, I think the Devils. It would behoove of them to take offers for Damon Severson. And I think during the offseason might be the better thing because I think you might get a better offer than you would during the season because who knows how Severson's going to come out once the season begins. I still think the Devils may end up just letting him play to start the year, but you never know. But in my opinion, if you can get a really good top six scoring forward for a guy like Severson in a package, I think you make that move. And I wouldn't be surprised if Fitzgerald is getting calls for Severson now that Marino's in the fold with some other guys waiting in the wings over the next year or two. So I think that's something to keep in mind going into the rest of this offseason and moving forward. Something to certainly keep your eye on. But getting John Marino, I really like it. He's a guy that people say has the potential to be an elite defensive defenseman. And we already have a guy who could arguably be an elite defensive defenseman in Jonas Siegenthaler on the left side. And now we're adding one on the right side with John Marino. So the devils remain active here through the first couple of days of really the, the, uh, the big parts of free agency. And I've really been satisfied with a lot of the moves the devils have made so far. So another big welcome to the newest member of the New Jersey Devils, John Marino. Now, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about is simply this. Where do the Devils go from here? What do the Devils have to do from this point, still in the offseason, to training camp and you know regular season and moving forward? Well, currently at the time of this recording, the Devils have just under $13 million in cap space. We still have yet to re-sign Jesper Bratt, which according to Fitzgerald, they're still talking numbers and just trying to get to a fair point. So I'm hoping that this doesn't linger on too much longer because you just want to get this done so we don't have to worry about it. In my personal opinion, the Devils need to still shore up the top six with another move. This is where moving Severson may actually help us do that. Devils still have to hire a defensive assistant coach. I would imagine in the next week or so, maybe two weeks, the Devils will probably uh, make a decision on that. Would love it to be sooner rather than later. The other thing I want to mention to you guys is looking ahead to 2023 and 2024 free agency class. Class is, excuse me, because there are names out there that, yes, the Devils can trade for right now if they're available, but also they could be there in free agency, which then obviously all you're giving up at that point is money which something I'm sure the Devils would not mind giving up. 
So let's look at some of the names for both 2023 and 2024. 2023, you have Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, and Timo Meyer. And I would say, out of these five guys, uh, the two most realistic options, I think, for the Devils, uh, maybe not necessarily in free agency, but, but in trades, definitely would be Vladimir Tarasenko and Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer is with a Sharks team that looks like they are beginning uh, a rebuild. And who knows if the Sharks feel that Meyer's a part of that rebuild. And uh, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So the Devils, obviously, if they were to acquire him in a trade, they'd have to try to get a contract signed. But he may end up just testing free agency. Tarasenko, kind of the same boat as well. Devils could certainly wait on that. Patrick Kane, I think he ends up being a New York Ranger as much as I don't want to want to see that happen i just think that it's too obvious that he ends up there david Posnock seems more and more likely that he will sign a contract extension with the bruins but things could turn sour nathan mckinnon no reason why he would leave colorado unless he feels like okay i've done what i wanted to do in colorado now i want to get paid and if he is he will certainly be one of those top guys uh on the market so those were guys in 2023 2024 it's possible he he won't the, the Leafs might not be able to afford to keep him. Steven Stamkos, although I think probably when his contract is over, he'll retire and he is a center. I just wanted to mention it. William Nylander, a guy that a lot of Devils fans have talked about trading for, because at least it gives us um a couple of years, uh, especially if you trade for him now, you have two years of control, which obviously would give you time to maybe negotiate a long-term deal. And two goaltenders that stood out to me, Connor Hellebuck who's been one of the cons most consistent goaltenders in the NHL, and also Ilya Sorokin, just in case the Islanders somehow can make a move to acquire him, and we're still trying to figure out the goaltending in two years, which would be pretty bad if we're still struggling with that. But I bring those up to simply say to you guys that there are going to be more opportunities down the road for this team to really, really build itself the way that it wants to be and still get that top six scoring winger and, you know, continue to make moves for a team because Fitzgerald for the most part has done a good job with contracts and not giving out, you know, Albatross deals. Although a lot of people look at the plot one and say that might've been the closest to it, but I still don't think it's as bad as people are putting it. Um, but I, I just wanted to say that the bottom line is that the Devils still have a bunch that they certainly need to do. And they have a, a lot of opportunities in the future with more cap space. And again, not too many guys locked up long-term to make big moves if they so choose to, which I think that they eventually will try to swing the fence on a big name player uh, in the very near future. And I want to end the episode with this, and this might be kind of like a, a low you know, energy way of ending it, but I will say this. When you look at all the Devils' moves that they have done up until this point, when you look at everything the Devils have done, are the Devils better than they were last year? Yes. Are the Devils better than they were two years ago? Yes. Are the Devils good enough right now to make up the 37 points that they uh, left on the table uh, that could have helped them make the playoffs last year? Do they have enough right now? And I would say on paper, honestly and truly, no. I think the best case scenario was that would be this team makes the playoffs as a wild card team. Uh, worst case scenario is obviously that we have another year where we finish towards the bottom of the NHL. I think this is a team that will show a bunch of improvement 
and start winning some games that maybe they wouldn't win in other years. I think they'll be a lot more competitive with some above average goaltending. And this is what we're all banking on. And I think this team will finish uh, closer to making a playoff spot, but maybe just not enough. I don't expect them to finish top three in the Metro, but you never know. Hockey is a magical, unpredictable sport. You never know what could happen. So all of us, you know, fingers crossed, trying to be as optimistic as possible, but also as my good friend, Jersey Joe said, let's be cautiously optimistic. And just at the end of the day, let's just cheer on the guys that are on this team. Because at the end of the day, we are all Devils fans, all hoping for one thing and one thing only, and that is the Devils begin to do what has been a difficult thing the last many years, and that is to simply win as many hockey games as they possibly can.